there's like 50 different AI companies that now can do voice stuff. They're all using the same exact underlying technology. Yeah. But who is the one that actually has the relationship with their consumers and understands what their consumers want, mm. knows their customer avatars, understands all those things. That's who's going to come out on top. And all the rest of them are going to blow up or just not do very well. And there was this girl that I liked that was in the class with me. Yeah. And then I ended up making this game for like our final project called Mac-Man. And at the end of the game, she was like the Princess Peach. So that everybody was like, wait, is that Arthur? You wildin' right now. That we all go to his house. And when I say house, he had a house in Manhattan. It was a multi-story building, but the whole thing was his house. And I was like, dang, I was like, yo, what do you do? He was like, this is what writing good code gets you. I was like, oh, word? That thing that I already know I'm good at? Hold on a second. All right, so look, y'all. This interview has been a long time coming. I've had people send me all types of DMs and messages and comments being like, yo, Cyrus, when are you gonna have this guy on your podcast? When is he gonna be on Tech as a New Black? And I only thought it was appropriate or apropos for you fancy folk to have him on since he is about to launch his podcast. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We gotta have him on Tech as a New Black now. So not only can he drop amazing gems for people, but that way people can get a bit of a preview. Our audience get a bit of a preview as to what to expect from his platform when he drops deeper than code. Y'all give a virtual round of applause, fire emojis, clapping emojis, tap your steering wheel if you're driving in your car so you don't wreck. To our guest today, Arthur Bernier, AKA Big Papa Code. Big Papa Code. Appreciate that, appreciate that. I, I low-key, if, if, we, if we wouldn't get a copyright infringement, I low-key would want to play that, uh, I love it when you call me Big Papa <laughs> Like as, as soon as we started. All right, bro, look. Bro, you've been in the industry for a minute, dude. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is like when I met you, I did not know you have been in tech since 2003. First off, you don't look like it at all. <laughs> at all whatsoever, you don't look like it. And then also not even like, not look like, you don't even give like that vibe. And what I mean by that is two ways. One, like you have a very down to earth vibe about yourself. And that's dope, but it's also beautiful because you have such a wealth of knowledge and so much experience in this space. You move with just a natural level of humility. And so first of all, I just want to kind of real quick, kind of one, give you your flowers when it comes to that. So I love that. I'm a fan of that. But two, bro, I mean, you've been in tech now, it's 20 years. A lot has changed in the industry. Adult. I mean, t- 20 years ago, people didn't even call it the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Like, you've seen a crap ton of changes. Bro, would love to just hear this on a high level for p- people that are tuning in right now. What are just some of the big changes and things you've seen happen in the industry that people just probably aren't even taking into account? Yeah, definitely. I mean, back uh, in 2003, um, I learned the code. And I ended up working as a webmaster for a nonprofit called Trosa Foundation in Southeast Queens, where I'm from. Um, and from then till now, the, the main things I've seen, I've just seen the the change of how all this technology works and the way people think about the technology. Like I remember back in 2003 when I told my parents I wanted to like work in stuff like this, they was like, no, you're smart, go be a doctor. Like, like you can't do nothing in there because you know, the oh. dot com bust and all this other stuff yeah. and things of that nature. So, uh, so, so real quick, I don't want to I don't want to graze past that because we, mm-hmm. we have a variety of audience members. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the dot com bust. Mm-hmm. Like for those that don't understand about the dot com bubble busting, what is that? Well, <laughs> think about what happened in more recent years, 2008, 2009 with the real estate industry. But relate that to tech. There was a lot of companies that uh, were just, you know, house of cards. Really, they didn't have any real business behind them, but they had a website 
And people were like, yeah, the internet is like the greatest thing ever. So you have a website, you get that set up, you know how to set it up. Sure, we'll, you know, invest in it and do this and do that. And eventually all bubbles burst and it just it was just a bunch of hot air, a bunch of nonsense for a lot of things. But of course you had great companies like, you know, um, like Amazon's probably yeah. the best biggest example that, that wasn't a house of cards. It was a real business, had a real value and was able to uh, you know, change, you know, the entire industry and bring e commerce out to the forefront. Yeah. So So man, that's so interesting. So I guess I never thought so I knew about the dot com bubble burst bursting. I knew about that, but I guess I never actually thought about it in terms of you just explained it. So there were some companies that were getting investments. They were having investors, maybe VCs or venture capitalists that were putting money into them. And all they really had was just a website and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, that was it? <laughs> yeah, that, that basically had nothing. Whoa. Right. And, um, and that was definitely a problem. And it happened in the NFT industry, too. Like, oh, man. Like, you know, you saw happen all the NFTs. Yeah, that's true. NFTs, the same thing happened. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, this thing. It's JPEGs and pictures, like other stuff I saw. So it's probably going to do pretty well and put, put a bunch of money in it. And you've seen all of the, the value shift and things of that nature. So everything just repeats itself over and over and over again. I, I wonder, so in the midst of the repetition, this this wasn't even in the list of questions, but you literally got my, my mind rambling. And we're, we're going we're gonna to bring it back. I wonder, and it's more of a, a prediction type of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think there potentially will be, maybe not on the same scale, but some type of AI bust to where yes. with all the AI companies popping up? I 100% think so. And it's really going to come from, because when you think about a business, it's not just the technology. It's also the relationship you have with you know your, your list. Yeah. So the companies that have a good relationship with their list, um, that's going to be their differentiator. The, com- the companies that are basically just seen as a commodity and anybody could just jump from thing to thing. Like there's like 50 different AI companies that now can do voice stuff or whatever. And like 50 or 100 different AI companies oh, yeah. that will take like a post that you give them and make 50 versions of that post. Like they're all using the same exact underlying technology. Yeah. But who is the one that actually has the relationship with their consumers and understands what their consumers want, mm. knows their customer avatars, understands all those things. That's who's going to come out on top. And all the rest of them are going to probably blow up or just not do very well. Man, this is going to be very interesting to see in the next few years. It definitely is. I'm, I'm my popcorn is ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to see it. <laughs> Yo. But, it, but that, that's the way it always happens. Man, so so I, I cut you off, and so I definitely want to let you uh, kind of finish, kind of finish rapping about other things that you've seen, other changes that you've seen. So you mentioned the dot com bubble bursting. Mm-hmm. And what else have you seen change you've seen in the past 20 years? I mean, a, a lot. Uh, you know, I've also saw the, the, the shift from Web 1.0 to Web 2.0. Web 1.0 being like, you know, the original web, you know, the Angel Fire websites and stuff back. I mean, I might be dating myself when I say that. Some people may not even know what those are. But, uh, but, the, but you know, but that sort of thing where all you could do is you could just uh, read content. And there was no way for, you know... If, if you didn't give somebody a business card with your website on it, they yeah. didn't know you existed. Yeah. But then these Web 2.0 technologies, uh, you know, started to come out where people can congregate in like a in like a in a space. The same yeah. way how you have cities in the real world. Well, now you have Facebook. You got you had, you know, GeoCities and all this other stuff that that was popping up where people can congregate in one place. Yeah. And you knew everybody was there. Yeah. And so there's a way that you can speak to an audience that's there and, you know, and, you know, just like being at a party. Um, Web 2.0 brought all that stuff in. So I saw that change and also see the change of, you know, things going to Web 3.0 because there's a lot of negative in Web 2.0, which is 
you know, all the centralization, you know, if um, you got beef with Facebook and Instagram, you know, they, they you know, they, they could just shut you off. Yeah. Um, but um, in Web 1.0 and like when you own your stuff and you have your own servers, you have all that stuff. Nobody can really do that. That's to you. true. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I never even thought about the benefit of, of 1.0 versus 2.0. I never mm-hmm. even thought about that. And so, man, you've seen a lot. So 1.0, 2.0 and now 3.0, where some of the components of 3.0 is where we're not just even like just integrating or, or congregating on a social media site. But now we can actually integrate or congregate in like the I don't want to say the metaverse, but just to be simple, like something Eventually. like even I, I, I think the metaverse will be a thing. I just mm-hmm. think this is my opinion. I want to know your opinion. I think the timing was just off. I think mm-hmm. that it just wasn't ready. I think it'll be a thing like they got to spin the block in a few years mm-hmm. and then it might be a thing. I, I agree with that. That's, that's what I think. I think it was too soon for a lot of people mm-hmm. and um, and just not mature enough to handle uh, public scrutiny. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's really what it what it comes down to. But but we and are qual- definitely and the quality looked trash. I yeah, it probably is <laughs> garbage. Dude. Um, it definitely ain't looked like no Ready Player One. That's what everybody wants. So <laughs> like Sims 1.0. <laughs> exactly. So we 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 got to do something about that. But it, it it'll come around. All right. So all right. So in the spirit of uh, talking about changes that are happening, uh, Imad Mustak, who's the founder of Stability AI, he recently made a controversial statement. He said that. He believes that in the next five years, software engineers will not exist. Mm-hmm. So, big pop of code, deeper than code, Mr. Deeper than code. What are your thoughts on that? Do you believe in the next five years, AI is going to make it to where software engineering doesn't even exist? I don't agree with that, but I do think that he has the right thought. I think his timeline is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll put it this way, just and this ties back into the original question of like things I've seen change over time. Um, back when I was a webmaster, I had to do everything. Like I had to know how to do everything. I won't bore everybody with all the individual details, but I had to do everything from start all the way to finish. I need to know how to deal with a server. I need to know how to how to code, how to spin this up, how so to do this. So that's what a webmaster is. Yeah, I had to do you had to do everything. Wow. And um, or at least is what they call the webmaster, but that's a whole other thing. Okay. But <laughs> but but you had to know every single thing in order in order to do it, right? Nowadays, we utilize all these other pieces of technology that makes it that that that. And what it did is it allowed people that may not have been able to get involved before be able to get involved quicker. Right. That's why you could. That's why we can have coding boot camps and things like that. One of the main things we're teaching at like a software engineering boot camp, we're showing you how to leverage technology that already exists. Mm -hmm. So when so when you want to go ahead and build a user interface, you're going to use React and React is going to is going to you write it in the little React code, the JSX. It's going to turn it into HTML and all that stuff for you and, you know, and turn it into browser ready JavaScript and all that stuff for you. Like and that, you know, revolutionized things. WordPress back in the day revolutionized things and made made it so that individual people that don't know how to code can go ahead and spin up a website, pick a theme and boom, they got a website. up, mm-hmm. Right. And you can make that as large as you want. Every single time one of these things occurred, um, it didn't get rid of people that knew how to code or knew how to do this. It changed their function and also made it more accessible to other people. Mm-hmm. So I think AI is going to do similar things, and you're going to see a lot more advancement of like no code and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be more important for you to, to for you to be able to read code than it's going to be for you to be able to necessarily write code from scratch. Mm, okay, and, and things of that nature. So it's going to change the function of those people, maybe even potentially change the, the names of the titles because that happens all the time. Yeah. But 
you know, there's still going to be people that need to be involved in that process. Yeah, definitely. In order for that to for that to work out. That's real. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm of the belief. I'm of the belief that eventually, whether it's AI or it's some other technology that doesn't even exist yet, I believe eventually is going to replace everything. Mm-hmm. Whether AI robotics integrated together, I believe it's going to replace everything. But I don't. It's something where it's like depending on the field, it'll be one field, it'll be five years, one it'll be ten years, other things will be twenty, thirty, forty years, and and then so. So mm-hmm. I definitely believe that uh, it, it'll gradually impact the entire world. But as long as, and let me know if you agree or disagree with this, as long as people are one, paying attention, and two, upskilling, kind of keeping their finger on the pulse, tuning into Tech is New Black, as well as platforms like Deeper Than Code. You heard it. That they will be, <laughs> yeah, that they will be aware enough to be able to like make the transition or pivot when those things come up. Would you just mention, but I think in order for that to happen, though, like it would have to be an overhaul of the educational system from, mm-hmm. from, uh, from, Early early childhood up until uh, to like high school. So like while there may if it does if it don't happen there, it'll only happen in small sections. But whenever we see uh, technology being like the central focus in education, then like the the I think the futuristic world that we see in movies will be what will uh, what will actually take place. Yeah, my son is in first grade, uh-huh. and he has to do everything on a laptop. Wow. Yeah, his whole his whole curriculum's on a laptop. Man. The whole the whole curriculum, well, a mini lap. It's like a halfway tablet, halfway laptop. That's but crazy. every everything is on there. His homework is loaded on there. Everything, you know, back in the day when you didn't do your homework, your parents wouldn't really know. Yeah. Like now, my kids, my my, my, my kids in junior high school, when I want to see if they did their homework, I can see the homework they did, the homework they turned in, what time they turned it in. So mm. like I told you at eight twenty p.m. yesterday, turn in your homework, girl. Whoa. And if I and, and if I look and see it was actually four thirty in the morning, first of all, what were you doing up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and secondly, that means you didn't do it when I told you to do it. What were you doing? So like they can't they can't get rid of nothing now. That's wild. Yeah. Yo, technology technology helping parenting out. It's happening. Yeah, as I'm saying, like that that's like exactly what you're saying is one hundred percent true in that. And that overhaul is happening from scratch, and that's one of the like theses of like deeper than deeper than code, is thinking about okay, this new group of people, um, you know, because we have like a outline of outline going out to twenty thirty two, because there's a bunch of things that's going to happen around that time frame mm-hmm. in twenty thirty two that I'm you know looking at um, and charting and stuff like that, and one of those things is is Gen Z. All of them are going to be, you know, adults by 2032. Yeah. Like from 2014 to 1996, they're going to be between 18 and 36 years old. At that time frame, you have Gen X is going to be completely retired. Um, and we go starting to retire at that time because, you know, 1965 to 82, that group, um, they're going they're going to be starting to retire. All of the baby boomers will be completely phased out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they will be completely retired at that point. Um, the youngest baby boomers will have already hits. Will be, be will be uh, pushing seventy at that point. Like all this changes, and so the entire Crazy. group of the working class is all people that grew up their entire life in that technology at their fingertips. Whoa. And it's going to be a complete different world at that time, and you have to prepare yourself for what that's going to look like. And that's what that's the whole reason for me doing the podcast is to talk about what I think you should do to prepare for what that world looks like and explore that over uh, a lot of different topics. Man. A little bit more technical stuff. I'm, you know, There's going to be some nerd stuff there, but I'm going to try to make it accessible to everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm feeling it. I, bro, I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan okay, already. Yeah, I really am. It. 
I don't think people don't realize how much of a nerd I actually am. Sometimes I want to go into some nerdy <laughs> stuff, but I be like, I, I like to like touch base with the general audience, general community, mm-hmm. and so. But there are people that that would appreciate the the depth that I know you're going to be touching on, and you're you're also better situated, but more knowledgeable than I am in those things to touch on that. So I'm I'm excited about that. So we met we met at a prop tech event in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Was that was that that wasn't that was last year? Yeah, it was last year. That, that was this year, actually. That was uh, early this year. Was it? Yeah, it was South by Southwest this year. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, so, we, man, it's so crazy how things just things just moving so fast. Mm-hmm. So we met early this year uh, at a PropTech event. One, can you please explain to people, like, what is PropTech? Mm-hmm. What is your involvement in PropTech? But also, there are some people that are listening, watching, that that need to need to be involved. in some, Even if they're not in tech, they need to know about what PropTech is. And understand the value of why they should care about it, especially people dealing in the real estate space at all. PropTech essentially is just the intersection of technology and real estate, mm-hmm. right? So it is uh, technology that enhances the real estate experience, whether that is living in a home, whether that's purchasing a home, whether that is going through the uh, approval process for a mortgage, mm-hmm. whether that is, uh, you know, identification documents you need, you know, for loans and things of that nature along that process, or it's like smart homes and, you know, uh, manufacturing of homes, like technology enabled real estate from, you know, the entire life cycle of real estate building, mm-hmm. buying, selling, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's what PropTech is. In, in, in the event, the PropTech house, uh, you know, um, a mutual connection of ours, Liberty Madison, like yes. that, that, that's her, that's her event. Shouts out Liberty. Yep. Shout out to Liberty. Um, and she put the, she put that event together. Um, and, 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 and it started, the reason why I was even there is, uh, you know, I don't want to take any, I might take any credit. She the one had the idea, but, um, we sat down and we had a whole conversation. I was like, Hey, you know, this would be, this would be something I would love to be involved in because I'm already interested in that exactly and we started to actually talk about like the way ai is going to affect real estate and whatever we ended up we're supposed to talk for like 30 minutes we ended up talking for like four hours Man. um and you know from there like you know what we we you know um you know we definitely need to have this event um sooner than later and you know she she wanted me to to, to come in um and speak about what we were talking about yeah so um that's how uh you know that ended up transpiring and then you know we met there of course yeah and that's incredible so so one, I have like kind of like a, a sideline question. We talk about prop tech. Is is ring? Is that considered like something? I, I know. <laughs> would someone consider that prop tech at all? The 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 thing is, I will. I'm gonna say yes. And some people might disagree with me. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. I will say that is prop tech. So it, but so is Airbnb, right? So True. is so is Zillow. Yeah. You know. So so is all these things because they enhance that experience. And there's no. Um, there's no gatekeeper on what can be considered prop tech. Yeah, true. Does it does it enhance living, buying, selling, whatever with properties? If the answer is yes, then it is prop tech technically. And if you disagree and you haven't been in tech for at least twenty years, like <laughs> Big Papa Code, your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> That's funny. If he said it, it is what it is. <laughs> no, just play it. If you're interested in breaking into a six-figure career in tech or scaling to over half a million dollars in tech, then this video is for you. If not, then just swipe away. But I was able to break into the tech industry October 2021, and in my first year, I scaled to over half a million dollars in tech. My second year, I was able to gross over a million dollars. More importantly, I was able to freely help over 600 people break into six-figure tech careers as well and scale further in the industry. 
Now, the number one question I've been getting from people is how was I able to do this? How was I able to make so much money? How was I able to also help as many people as I've been able to help? Well, aside from doing coaching calls and trying to spend a whole bunch of time helping people individually, I've decided to create the Tech Rich Program, where I literally break every single thing down that I've done and what I've been doing to show others how they can break into tech faster or scale to over half a million dollars plus within their first few years in the tech industry as well. All you gotta do, click the link in my bio, all the information's there, check out the description, message me if you have any other questions, and I'll see you on your journey scaling in tech. My experience, I had, I had a certain experience when it came to getting into tech and also becoming a founder, and, but my experience was very recent, most people know about it, but with you, back when you got in the tech industry, there was no like tech boot camps. Like, I mean, again, it wasn't even called the tech industry at the time. Mm -hmm. So, so when you got in the tech industry, we talked about some of the changes that you saw. How were you able to actually get in the industry? So that's, that's an interesting uh, question. I'm, and I'm gonna explain the whole thing. I'm trying to do it really, really fast, right? Um, because that could turn into a whole two hour conversation. Okay. But um, the long and short of it is, is this. Um, I went to a high school called Brooklyn Technical High School, um, a specialized high school in New York City. You had to take a test to get in, do good in math and science or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, um, and I was one of the people from, like there's only like four people from my junior high school in, um, in Southeast Queens, IS-59, that was able to get into the school. I ended up being one of them. I, go, I ended up going to that school. Um, one of the elective courses that you had is it, it was C++, right? So what? yeah, no, cause they, they, they hit you with everything and they're, they're trying to um, get, um, and, this, and th their goal was to get um, the program I was in was actually called Pulse, Preparation for Undergraduate Learning Through Science Enrichment, mm -hmm. right? And, it, and their, their goal was to get people that look like me, look like you yeah. into, into the STEM industry and this is the early 2000s, right? So long story short, I take that class. I love it. I build a, like my teacher was like raving about me. Like I'm the greatest student he ever had. Yeah. All the stuff like that. And, um, and you know, he was hyping me up, of course. But that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's cool because I liked it. And, yeah. um, but, but, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I did really, really well. And it was like the first class I ever got like a, a 100 in. Yeah. Like, oh. like, you know, like you take a class, like you get like a 95. Like I just got a 100. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, uh, there's a funny story about that. Actually, I'm going to tell a story now. Yeah, no, go ahead. I don't normally say this out loud. It's going to make me sound a little bit bad to some people, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So I was was in the class, and there was this girl that I liked that was in, in the class with me, right? Yeah. And she was into the class. So that made me get into it even more. That's how I got the 100. Yeah. And I was like, oh, word. Like, you, you know like this? Is? Watch this. You see what I just did with that code just now? <laughs> so that, that was kind of like part, part, part of the reason. Yeah. And then I ended up making this uh, game for like our final project called Mac Man. And at yeah. the end of the game, like when you got through it, nobody knew if this was going to happen in class or whatever. But as you got through the game to the end, when you won it, like what you won, like basically she was like the Princess Peach at the end of the game. So it's like, so that everybody was like, wait, is that Arthur? You wilding right now? <laughs> like, and then I look at her and she looked at me like, you know what? It was a fail. It was a failed attempt. Oh, what? shot the shot the shot didn't work. What? Didn't work. <laughs> she was just more like embarrassed. Like, yo, what are you doing right now? Wait, no, 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 no. He didn't play the video no game, and she didn't. <laughs> what? But, but, but the thing is, though, we weren't even cool at that point yet. 
But then after that, we became we we, we got friendly. Oh, okay, cool. So it, it wasn't a total loss. It was more, it was more so like, you know, like like that's mad embarrassing. You could have just said hi, you know, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of situation, um, you know. And she ended up, you know, she's from Queens too, so she was on like the little group of people that would go, you know, take the train from Brooklyn back to Queens together. Okay, so then okay. we. You know, became cool or whatever, and you know, because Queens, Queens is like like the nicer part, right? It's not like Brooklyn. Uh no, it's not the nicer oh, part. <laughs> oh, it's no, the other way around. No, no, it's not the there, there's there's nice parts of Brooklyn. There's nice parts of Queens. Oh, and she wasn't from the nice parts. No, no, we we from Jamaica Queens. It's, uh, you know, oh, okay, I'm from okay. Laurelton specifically. Shout out to Laurelton, uh, but you know, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. I'll not n- not not nicer, but I will say. There are some places in Brooklyn that even though I'm from where I'm from, I don't ever want to be in those places like oh, East yeah. New York, you know, whatever. East New York is the name main one. Like anyway, but that but I mean, I don't know what it's like now. I don't live there no more. I live in I'm in Atlanta. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, man. So, man, bro, I don't know. You I, asked I, me a question. though. I didn't answer it. I, like, yeah, I yeah. On that, no, no, that, that question was I mean, that, that, that story was so that, that was a funny story. I don't think anybody would look at you bad. Let, let me know in the comments. What do y'all think about that? Do y'all think that's like that's cute? Like, especially ladies, let us know. Do you think that's cute if a dude has a crush on you and he makes an entire video game where at the end of the game you're the princess? It's I don't know. Maybe I'm sure, but let, let us know what y'all think. That was but, game. Yeah, I I thought it was too. That was game. I, I I thought it was too. I ain't gonna say her name though. And plus, I'm married. I don't even want to do all that right now. Hey, yeah. And she's married too. I'm not. I I positive scene. Her married on social media. We, we ain't doing that. That was a long time ago. That's so funny, yo. I love it. But uh, but, but the question was, how did you get in the tech industry? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I started on that. Right. That's how I got there. That's funny. So, but yeah. So I learned I learned I learned the code there, and um and I was on the step team in high school. Um, and we ended up stepping at an event, and uh, and it was this robotics competition, right? And at the robotics competition, you know, our, I can't remember if we even won or whatever. I didn't even know how you win. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I just wanted to go and step in front of a bunch of people because I mean that was that was my thing, right? And while and while there, um, there was a dude, uh, the dude that sponsored our our school, um, and there was another girl that was on the robotics team. You do a lot of stuff in high school because of girls, but anyway. Oh yeah, true that. True she, that. She, they had a party going on after to celebrate. We weren't really invited, but I actually now this time by this time I had game. It was a little bit later. Okay, cool. So I talked to her and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, we 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 we, we all go. Um, and really, my boy English, you know, was, was there was there too, and um, you know, he had a whole bunch of games. Everybody loved him. So so we 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 all we we all go to the we all go to his house. And and, and when I say house, he had a house in Manhattan. Now I don't know if you've been to Manhattan. Right, but everybody has an apartment or something like this. It was a house. Sorry, man. It, it, it was a it was a multi story building, but the whole thing was his house. Boy. Like it's like it wasn't like like no forty stories and nothing like that. But it was it was I can't remember how many floors it was. It was more than four. But I mean in Manhattan, that's it, crazy. It, it, it was in Manhattan. I don't know exactly what part of Manhattan I was in at the time because I didn't know Manhattan like that. Because why am I going to Manhattan? You know, yeah. you know, you know. As a teenager at that time, like why would I be there? So I went there went there for that. And I was like, dang. I was like, yo, what do you do? He was like, this is what writing good code gets you. I was like, oh, word? Ooh. That thing that I already know I'm good at? Hold on a second. Um, let, me, let me circle back on that. And so I asked my parents to take me out, to let me go out of the Pulse program that I was in, which is set up for you to like really become like a doctor, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, and you know, that was like the whole conversation with my parents. They were like, nah, 
we're not letting you go over there and do some mess around with some computer stuff or whatever the case may be. So screw that. Um, we're not we're not letting you do it. So mm-hmm. to get an outlet to actually um, to actually still like do what I wanted to do, that's how I got the job at the at, at Trolls Foundation. Um, and at Trolls Foundation, they just you know needed websites and needed like program liaison. They also I used to moonlight as tutoring people for them and whatever mm-hmm. all that stuff like that. And I got to just basically you know get get that get that get that role um and it ended up being ended up being great for me because i learned a whole bunch of stuff while i was there doing it um and that's how like i broke in and then um and then you know when i turned like 21 which was you know a bunch of years later i started freelancing and then i would just be the guy you'd come to that you know um everybody would come to like to get websites made and get this built get that built and you know i just learned like the whole entire process um, and all, every single way that I learned after that class, I didn't take any more formal um, software engineering stuff all the way up until um, like, you know, like six, seven years ago is mm-hmm. when like, I did like some more formal stuff like I did like a master's program. And then also I actually did a coding boot camp okay. and I went there and I was mad out of place. I was like, oh, man, nobody knows what they're doing here. So I ended up helping everybody while I was there. Yeah. Uh, you know. But that was a good thing because that like introduced me to it because I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw, I saw everybody that came in with me not know what they were doing. And I was afraid to let them know how much I knew. Ooh. And I, but, I, but I saw that at the beginning and I saw by the end of the class how much they knew. I was like, oh, snap, y'all, y'all almost caught up to like what I kind of know. Wow. So I'm like, dang, like this, 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 this work works. Yeah. And then that and that's how I actually ended up, um, you know, becoming a uh, boot camp instructor. Because like mm-hmm. I, I did one myself. And um, I thought I was going to learn more advanced stuff. So I kind of wasn't mad about that. But um, but seeing those people that came in that knew zero yeah. and then seeing what they could do by the end, I was like, this blows my mind. Um, and so that that's what got me into that. And that, then that's in dope, that was actually stuff. something I was thinking about asking, but I'm happy that you mentioned that because we we hear about boot camps. It's I'm not going to say it's easier, but it's and maybe it's easier to me because like sales is natural to me doing things like demos is natural to me mm-hmm. but i know some people that are software engineers it's not natural for them so mm-hmm. for me it seems easier but maybe to someone else it's not easier but anyway that being said in my mind i'm okay a tech sales boot camp sales engineering boot camp okay that's not that's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. but i'm like what does someone who is who has all the experience that even at that point you had as a as a, a software engineer a software developer what would you think about a about software coding boot camps? And so, of course, you, you're not speaking for all of them. There are definitely some crappy ones out there. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to hear your take where you were even able to see like, oh, no, this is actually pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I literally cut you off, but I just literally you, you, you jumped on it. I was like, oh, man, like, that's so dope that you said that. Yeah, I mean, it's 100 percent true. Like, uh, like that first week I was ready to drop. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to learn anything. Like. Yeah. I, you know, because I kind of jumped in because I got to do it for free, um, you know, for a number of reasons. I'm not gonna get into that, so I didn't have to pay. So I was about to just be like, nah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna leave. But then I liked it, liked what I was doing, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, and and then I saw people like progressing so quickly. Yeah. And I was like, okay, the way that they're teaching, I, you know, I like that, and I also already liked to teach and tutor and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm like, okay. This is something that I actually want to do. It wasn't my intention on coming here, but you know, it's, it's something that I that I that I liked. Um, but I, 
but I will say like universally what will like makes you able to do well in a boot camp is you have to be able to focus and um, if you can't focus and like put your heads down put your head down for a short period of time um, three six months however long the boot camp is it's not not going to be a good look but that's something you can learn how to do and mm-hmm. you know with determination etc uh, but the but the other piece is it, technically what you need to understand you don't even know how to code already but if but if I can ask you the question you know x plus 8 equals 13 what does x equal and you could tell me 5 yeah then yeah I could, you can show you how to code cuz that's all you end up doing in code a bunch of the time you say wow. this variable is equal to that and then when I use that variable here it does this when I do that variable here and you have to move around you move around values all the time yeah so okay. if you can if you can logically think about that if that if you didn't know the answer was 5 just now maybe chill <laughs> um, but if you knew the answer was 5 when I said it I'm just, I'm just being honest you know, I don't want you to waste your time or, or money. If you if you didn't know it was five, chill. Let let us know in the comments how many of y'all. I mean, ain't nobody gonna gonna say that they five. <laughs> they swipe down on their phone and pull up their calculator. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you if you if you, if you, if you got to pull up the calculator, like you know, you don't need to know no crazy you know amounts of math and stuff like that. But if you could logically think about think that way, that's what you need to do to code. Everything is all about passing values around. So all you're doing is pushing values from here to here to here, storing them, moving them, manipulating them, doing that algebra class. Yeah. So when did you actually start at your first company? Um, do you mean like, uh, I mean, obviously. When Trilosa. were you getting paid, basically? Oh, well, I was getting paid at Rosa. Um, yeah, I was getting paid in high school. Yeah, I was, oh, okay. I was, I was balling in high school. You like, was I, making money. Basically, from from coding while you were in high school. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was making oh, I was you make, way make, ahead of the game. Yeah, I was making making money in high school, and then like, um, and then when I was freelancing, I was getting paid. Um, and then um, and I worked for uh, you know, I did mostly like mostly most of what I've done is all been, mostly been contracting because um, that's just what I like to do because I like to have some uh, flexibility. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've worked full time at Blavity. Um, and I started there. Oh, shouts out to Blavity. Yeah, definitely. Blav- Blavity was great. They, they gave me, um, you know, some, some leadership experience, too. I learned a lot of things from Jeff Nelson. Like, big shout out to Jeff Nelson. Like, uh, like a lot of things that I, you know, I didn't believe in myself the same way. Like, I knew I knew stuff for a, for a while. Um, but Jeff is the one that really, like, put, like, the battery in my back. It was like, nah, you nice. Yeah. Like, I know what I'm talking about. And you, you, you know what you're doing. And, um, and I respected him because, see, I come from like a non-traditional background of like, I just taught myself all this stuff over these years and, yeah. and, and did and, and, and have been around and done this. And, but he he's went the, you know, went, went the more, I don't want to say regular route or whatever, but I really respected everything he did. And, and, I, and I, the way that I even learned about him is, I, is that he was working on a project um, where uh, he created his own database from scratch, which is super difficult to do. Um, with, his, with, his, with his own query language, all that stuff. I'm like, yo, this dude is like basically a genius. Mm-hmm. And um, and the funny thing is, I already knew him and was already following him and and looking at stuff that he was doing. And he ended up posting like a job and he needed like a Node.js expert. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I know Node.js for like five years at that point. So I'm like, yeah, I guess what, I'm an expert. Node J- is that no JavaScript? Node.js, N-O-D-E. Oh, Node JavaScript expert. Yeah, yeah. So he was looking okay. for a Node.js expert. And that's Node.js is a runtime that lets you run JavaScript on the server side. Okay. Right? And um, and like I said, I'd known it for about five years at that point. I said, I'm, I probably can do whatever you're asking. Let me see it real quick. And I go ahead, I take a look at it. And, um, and I was able to know what that was. 
and um, he liked the way I handled it, how fast I did it. And he was like, yeah, let's, let's like, like come, come work for me. I'm like, cool. You know, normally I would say no when anybody says something like that. I'm like, no, for you. Oh, yeah, I'm you, a, can, you like, can say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm come work for you. And that was probably like, I can't remember how many years ago that was, but that might have been six or seven years ago at this point. Um, and, and yeah, like he like, he's a real cool dude. He'll sit down with you. He'll, he'll, um, he'll go over stuff with you. He'll give you, give you advice. Um, and I, you know, and me and him are like the same age, but I look up to him, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 like he's, and you see all the crazy stuff they're doing with Afro tech, all this stuff like yeah. that. Like he's like, uh, like my experience working with him, I've, I learned more working with him than I learned over any of the time I did anything else just from being able to observe him and being able to learn from what he did. And then being able to now, since I got to work for him, I got to see his code. Like, yeah. cause you know, it was private, but now I, I was in the door. I was like, Oh, I was opening up all his stuff. Like I was like, hey, let me see that real quick, and I was just reading it, reading it, oh, reading everything. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed working. I'm curious. So I know that Blavity owns Afrotech. Mm-hmm. Is the founder or the CEO? I know the CEO of Blavity is also the CEO of Afrotech. Mm-hmm. Is she also the founder of Blavity? She is. So Mo- 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 Morgan Debon, she's the founder of all that. Shout out to Morgan. We got to get her on. We got to get her on mm-hmm. Texas and be black. Yeah, man, so that's incredible. everything that they own is either something that they founded themselves or that they purchased. They purchased. Yeah, they I know they just purchased R and B House. They did. They did. They Bro. did. I'm, I'm, that, I'm, that, that's a crazy like acquisition. Like I was thinking, like, oh yo, that's gosh. that's gonna be crazy. I saw like that. Afrotech this year. If you're not going, like you tripping, yeah, hard. Like man, that's crazy. I'm gonna be in New York uh, soon. They have some executive event. I got an email about it, and I'm nice. I'm excited to to go there. But yeah. I, but they they doing some big dog stuff. I'm so mm-hmm. inspired by what they're doing. I'm like, man, I love it. I love it. If you're a startup founder with an amazing tech-based business or service, more than likely the number one problem that you deal with is being able to attract quality investors or quality leads that you know are in need of your specific type of business. Unfortunately, in this social media day and age, in order to do that, two things are required. One, you have to have top tier quality content that tells your story. And two, you're gonna need to have some amazing marketing in order to be able to reach the specific audiences that you want. Well, as the founder and host of the largest tech business and tech career platform in the world, Tech is a New Black, we interview amazing startup founders like yourself to provide immediate brand awareness to our audiences of hundreds of thousands across all of our platforms. Give you industry standard content that you're able to share on all of your social media platforms and your website. And also we do tailored marketing around all of that content for you to be able to generate for you the specific targeted leads that you desire. All you need to do is click the link in our bio or head over to techisanewblack.com to fill out the guest request form and we'll set up a discovery call with you so that way we can see if you're a good fit to be on our platform and get that brand awareness and exposure to generate the leads that you desire. One of the things that I like, and I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about this briefly, mm-hmm. cause you mentioned doing contract work. Mm-hmm. So many people that are in the industry right now or even trying to get in the industry, everybody just think about, man, just getting a job at a company. Mm-hmm. The idea of contract work seems, it, it's almost terrifying on two different spectrums because... Until you see the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to talk about. Because what I've noticed is, I almost think of it kind of like a uh, like a force wielder type of thing. We're going to talk about like Star Wars and stuff. I'm like watching the Star Wars stuff right now. And I'm like, there are people that are like, that are executives or they're, they're high up, they're principal, developer, engineer, whatever. And I almost see them as like Jedi. 
And then there are people like yourself and then one of my uh, friends, the dude who actually, he was the main person that inspired me to want to get in tech, where y'all just are just, y'all do contract work. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like y'all are like force wielders, where it's like you're not Sith and you're not Jedi. Yeah, exactly. But you, you just, but you a beast. You just out here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you explain to people the value of con- like being a, a, a contractor in tech? Yeah, I mean... The thing about it is uh, that whole laptop lifestyle before, but, but like, cause you know, I've been working remotely and doing that before COVID and all that happened where everybody thought it was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, like you, you could, it. yeah, you, you could, you could be anywhere. You could be anywhere. You could do it and you could, you could pop up, you could pop up your computer and, and, you know, knock something out. You can. And when you're also, when you're a contractor and, and they don't try to like illegally treat you like an employee, like you really, really treat you like a contractor, you can come and go as you please. It's like, okay, boom, I need to. You know, they need X, Y, and Z done. Cool. I'll have it to you by, you know, normally it'll be like, there'll be sprints and stuff like that yeah. probably. So have it, have it by the end of the sprint. I can have X, Y, and Z done. You go ahead and knock it out and then go about your business. You can knock it out in two hours. You knock it out in two hours. You have the rest of your time. And now you have the freedom to go do this, go do this, go do that. You just got to be, you know, so you be got better the, with your money. So you got the check for, let's say just, an, I'll just bring up a, a, a this might be a real example, but like you can get paid for three months of work, maybe just for doing a couple of days of work in some instances. You 100% can. And it, and it works like that all the time because the thing that you have to realize when you are a service provider, and this is like really important, anybody I'm mentoring or whatever, I always make sure they understand this, is it's not like you have to get out of the mindset where you're charging people hourly. You're charging people for the value that you provide to them. Like, yes. what value do you create for their business or whatever they're creating? How much do they value that? And you're always trying to give them, um, let's say, you know, if you want somebody to pay you $20,000 for something, for them it's got to be a flip. So they got to be able to give you $20,000, which is what you want, and that's got to create $100,000 of value for them. Because mm-hmm. for them it's got to be a flip. Yeah. You can't pay you more money than the value you're going to give yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. So... If you can get a high value skill where when I do this for you, it's going to create this result for you. Yeah. And if it does that, then um, then you can charge, you know, the right amount of money for it. Um, so I think that's that's so valuable for people to hear. What I want you all to gain from that is understanding that at some point, because, yeah, you can move up in tech mm-hmm. or you can start a tech business mm-hmm. or you can do one of the the many things uh, that he's doing, which is you can grow, you can scale your skill sets, and then you could literally be a business just in and of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like instead of you working for a company, you could do like because literally that's that's literally you being a business just with your knowledge, which is a lot of knowledge that you have, but just with your knowledge when it comes to coding and engineering, mm-hmm. and that's incredible. And I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. And so that, that's fire. That's why I was like, yo, like, we, we got to talk about that a little bit. We never talk about that on here. Yeah. I mean, y- you can go you go whatever route you want. And I'll say that it's somewhere in between being a true entrepreneur and being a uh, and being an employee, mm-hmm. being a contractor or being a freelancer. Because you're not, I mean, we could say you're being an entrepreneur, but you're not taking on like the debt and all this stuff like that. Literally, yeah. all you're doing is like showing up like, you need this done and you're going to pay me enough that I can not have a job if I do it for you. Sounds good to me and I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's that, that, that's the uh, uh, the situation there. And, um, you know, sky's the limit with doing that. A lot of opportunity. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let, let's lean into that a little bit. We talk about entrepreneurship. So and that, that falls right into my next question. So what would be your advice 
for someone who wants to be a techpreneur, mm-hmm. but they don't know much about the tech industry or have any connections in the industry. Because there are a lot of people right now that are seeing everything that's happening with, I mean, whether we're talking about AI or if we're just talking about just still advancements that are happening in the industry in general. They're like, man, I want some of that. I want to mm-hmm. take part in that. How could that person leverage their desire or proclivity towards being an entrepreneur when it comes to what's happening in tech right now? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And there's a lot of examples of that. Like if you, if you don't have a background in technology, but, but let's put it this way, you have to decide where you want to fit in. You have to get out of the mindset that you're going to do everything yourself. Yeah. Right? You got to figure out where you would play a valuable role on a team. If you can't provide value to a team, you can't get into anything. Yeah. So what value do you, do you provide? Are you like a marketing expert? Well, if you're a marketing expert, Man, get get with somebody who's more technical and be the face of the company. Be a CMO. Be yeah. you know, do that stuff. Are you a uh, are you a numbers person? Can you do this? Are you an accountant right now? Whatever. Can you be a CFO? Can you do this? Can you do that? Like like what value can you provide to a founding team that they need? You yeah. know, when they when they when they first start a company, uh, you know, if you could provide and you got to figure out where you could provide that value. If if you want to get become a techpreneur in the sense that you have like a vision in your mind of something you want to build. And you have the and you have like the temperament where like you like to build things. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got to learn how to build, and then go do a do a boot camp, um, do a boot camp, learn how to code. Um, and once you do that, then sky's the limit. And once you finish the boot camp, you have to just keep working and you know and keep practicing because you don't want to lose any of the skills you learned, mm-hmm. and um, and do that if that's what you want to do. So it's really just like figure out you as a person. With sitting in front of a computer solving problems all day excites you. It excites me. I like doing that. Some people would be like, "No, nah, I'd get tired of that like immediately." Then don't try to do that. Then, mm-hmm. then because there's it's not like there's not other ways to get in. Like um, there's other opportunities. Like me, I don't like selling like that, so I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. I I I, I can't. I mean, as I say, I can't. I prefer not to. Yeah. Because my thing is, I can't. I can't ever not say, but, you know, you don't really got to pay this because you could do this. I can't ever not give you the hookup. That's mess hilarious. Up, mess, up my, mess up my whole entire situation there. I am dead. Yeah, I, I did that a few times, uh, you know, when I worked at Sharper Image. Like, I worked at Sharper Image, like, at, like as, like, a, a side job uh, one time uh, for, like, two months. Didn't last. Um, and I kept doing that. I kept being like, yo, but you can get the same thing at Best Buy. You can get the same thing at Circuit Club. Like, I'm like, I'm like killing the business. I might be the reason they went out of business to begin with. So I was said, I, I worked in Soho at, at, at the spot, and really just because I wanted to be in Soho. And my boy just like at that point was just do whatever. My boy was like, yeah, you know, come down and do and you know and do that. So I was like, okay, well, I already have this other job, but it's summertime, so screw it. Uh, you know, I could do this and then do this. And yeah, it was really really bad at it. Now he's nice at selling, right? And he was actually, so I wouldn't get fired. He was on there on the computer, like, I'm gonna give this sale to my boy real quick. So I wasn't oh, selling nothing. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't selling nothing. But he was so good that I was almost I was like the third top seller, but I wasn't selling nothing. I am dead. And he was wow. so good at it. But yeah, no, nah, it was you know, that's my boy for life. But yeah, but no, I was sending I was telling everybody I seen the same thing at Best Buy. You can go over here, do this. It's like yeah, he was giving everybody the homie hookup. Yeah, it's like yeah, I, I I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. You know, there's actually this is random, but there's actually a tactic in sales that in, encourages people to buy something from you. And this is, and it, it's actually kind of based on what you're doing. But instead mm-hmm. of you recommending them go to another like another company, instead it's 
you recommending products that you have and then you downgrading a certain product that you have and then telling them what they need is something else. So if someone's looking at like two different products, I'm like, which one should I get? And you, you ask them, okay, what are you looking for? You do this, you do that. It's like, ah, this would be terrible for you. Mm -hmm. This one wouldn't help you at all. Mm -hmm. This one work really good for you. Mm -hmm. And it one, you kind of downgrading something that you have, it helps them build trust to where they're like, wow, like, shoot, like you're really telling me not to do something in your business. And you're referring me to something else. So anyway, I just I just thought about that just as like a little little sales nugget for some of y'all that's like helpful. But it was funny kind of you. But instead, you were referring them to another company. Yep. And, and people would come by to the store like the next day, like, "Yo, I picked up what you said." So I mean, it worked. I was closing. It's closing yeah, for the wrong thing. Closing for the wrong. But you should have went to the other company and said, "Yo, y'all should give me a commission." This is y'all way. Because anybody knows sharper, everything is sharper and it costs too much money. That was, that was the whole thing. That was, that, was, that, was, that was their whole business. That's hilarious. All right, bro, so look, uh, so again, we talked earlier about you've seen a lot of changes in the past 20 years. What are your predictions for the next 10 years? Um, I mean, really, this this touches on what Deeper Than Code, one of the things Deeper Than Code is going to be about. You're 100% right. And like I said, that could be like a whole entire episode of the yeah, podcast. Really could be. But I, I, but I, but I, what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna try to say is briefly, and there's gonna be stuff that you probably just people will have to Google or Chat GPT after I say it, right? Yeah. And I, I'll say this: in 2032, we've already I kind of touched on this before. You have um, at that particular point in time, there's a couple things that are gonna happen. You know, with you know everybody that is an adult at that time, that's a working adult in the prime of their earning potential, it's all gonna be individuals that grew up their entire life with technology, mm -hmm. right? So keep that in mind you also have all of these people that um that have all these um non-technical you know businesses like plumbing and stuff like that retiring or whatever and then they're and then they're uh you know um their children and stuff like that not wanting to take on the take on those jobs so you have all those companies all that avoid there but you also have ai coming at the same time as all those jobs are ai replaceable fairly simply yeah so you have that coming at the same time then you also have um, in 2032, it's going to be the most significant Bitcoin happening. I won't get into crypto and all that stuff like that, mm -hmm. but you have the Bitcoin happening event that comes out in 2032. So you have that happening during that same during that same year. Then you also have um, at the same time, it's just so many. If you look at all the charts and you see where things are going, you're like, yo, 2032 gets crazy. Whoa, and, this man's giving us a, a glimpse is, into the 10 years, nine years into the future. Bro, plug yeah, in. For yeah, real. There, there's a lot happening. And think about what happened 100 years ago once we're in 2032. 100 years ago, what was happening? You know, depression, et cetera, all this stuff yeah. like that. There's, there's, a, there's a lot happening during that time frame. And you have to prepare yourself, be properly positioned at that time, and America's gonna have to make choices on a lot of different things in order to be able to properly prepare because all these other countries are like on their heels. It's like, you know, you know, you know, Jordan trying to get that third get third ring the second time. Yeah. Like like Carl Malone was trying to was trying to stop that, but yeah. you know, he didn't he didn't have the power. So, you know, we're you know, us being, you know, the Jordan, you know, reference or whatever, we're gonna have to get our stuff together yeah, and really do. embrace those technologies. Our country has a lot of work to do. And it really comes from, and I don't want to say it all political, but you need to get people into office that that are from um, that are from the millennial generation, the Gen Z generation need to get into office, yeah. and they need to take more seats before twenty thirty two. Man, that's um, so real. That, that's true. That oh man, that, that's so real because obviously our nation and life in general, like 
all generations throughout history has thrived on the leaders being the older people. But mm -hmm. we're in a day and age now where everything is advancing so fast. It's almost like, and I'm not going to put an age on it, but it's almost like when people that are in leadership don't even know about the basic technology that's out. Like when we mm -hmm. saw all of the trials that happened with the different leaders uh, in a lot of the, the the unicorn companies, you know, the trials that happened with Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, and, and others. <laughs> that was so painful. So painful it was so embarrassing. So it was so embarrassing that the leaders of our nation were asking silly questions like, how come when I Google this, this picture of me comes up? It's like, you don't, you're the leader you're a leader and you don't even understand Google. Mm -hmm. And then even recently leaders having to learn about what is AI. Well, they, they, they asked Mark Zuckerberg about the Google search too. And it's like, like he has nothing like, to do with us. He was like, Senator, that's a different business. That has <laughs> nothing to do with us. I do the lizard thing. <laughs> oh man. But, but yes, yeah, so I love, so I, I wanted to hone in because I love you mentioned that house. I, man, we're gonna have to make some changes, and and this this isn't like anti ageism or or anti older all. people. Not at all. This is more so about like making sure, and you could be older and still have your finger on the pulse, but making sure that we have people whose finger is on the pulse of technology of advancements, so that mm -hmm. way, like you mentioned, we can go ahead and get our third ring as a nation. Exactly, and we a hundred percent need to. If we don't make those moves, you know, as people coming for our lunch, a hundred percent. And um, we'll see how that all shakes out and, and, and you know, what, what happens there. Right now, you're in a good spot. As you hear my voice now, it's 2023. You are at the right time. You might feel like you're late, like you're this, like you're that. You're in the right time right now. That's good. But that is not going to be true in 2028. I wouldn't be able to say the same thing to people in 2028 or in 2030. Yeah. Right now, you're, in, you're, you're at the right time. Make a move right now. Yes. Do not sit on the stuff that we're trying that we're trying to tell you about. Um, like you're 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 in a time of upheaval, um, and if you don't make a move, there's going to things things may not be the way that you want them to be yeah. for you and your family if you don't act on some of, of of what's out there right now. So learn, you know, study. You know, what's the thing the old people used to always say? Show thyself approved. <laughs> you know, like like do yeah. all that stuff now. Yes. Um, and if you do it, you know, 2032, 2033 and beyond is going to look a whole lot different for you than other people.